it's just been selling you or selling information it's to, been selling me right exactly people, yeah and you're willingly a part of this yeah no i i don't know i think it, it all goes back to the whole idea of like wait what, silence is this the show Welcome to the Interface. My name is Andrew Lilja. With me on this occasional podcast is Ian Fuchs. So we were talking about people willingly selling their privacy uh, so that Amazon can criticize their clothing choices. Uh, yeah, kind of. Really what it comes down to is, is, and I think we've kind of touched on this multiple times before, of like these, these in-home assistant type things and different apps and things that collect data about you in some manner or some or some information whether it's about you or about the place you're in or whatever and then what they do with that information after it's been collected and and the thing that started this conversation this time was um talking about an ar augmented reality app that places furniture in your living room but ultimately they're actually using that data that they're collecting to then create like inside maps of places which can then be sold Ugh. to third parties Ugh. and you said well what's the difference you have so much you have an amazon echo in your house and it's like well I, I think for me the big difference is the amazon echo yeah it sure it can hear me and they claim it can only actually send anything back to the server when it's activated but even at that even if it's always collecting audio data it's getting much less information about me about the things i have the things that are around me than if i had say a camera in my kitchen or my living room or my bedroom it's funny you mentioned the echo because i was thinking about how they could totally use echolocation on that to uh like map, map out the room. inside of a room yeah yeah um what i don't like about these things is that it feels like selling your personal and private information uh to a company with unknown motivations to use for unknown reasons to sell to unknown people also they can get so you can get weather reports and then it gets even worse when you have a camera involved Right. Well, right, like then it's a real. People already put tape over their laptop cameras because they think that's going to stop them from getting hacked or something like that. But uh, it's even worse when you just willingly invite that thing into your bedroom. Yeah, and that's that's a huge thing right now. Is like we're we're really on kind of the early fronts of these in home things. But you have like the Amazon Echo, uh, the Amazon Echo Look, which is the one with the camera that criticizes what you're wearing. Okay, Cur- I'm just going to say sorry. right now. I hate anything that is implicitly looking at me. Technology that looks at me, no thank you. Yeah, um, then, and it's, I, I say criticizing what you're wearing. Really the idea is they want to help, help you decide between, say, two outfits, which one looks better on my body. But ultimately they're collecting a lot of information about what you're wearing, about your size, about your shape. They could collect things like, mm. are you pregnant? Have you, have you been losing weight? Do you appear, are, you, are you changing your style? And then use that to then because it's Amazon, sell you more things that might appeal to you as a customer that you might need. Or or maybe it's, you know, God. it seems like it's just taking a picture of what you're wearing, but in reality they're noticing that, like, the you don't have curtains over your window. So you start logging into Amazon, and it's like, have, are you interested in buying curtains? Are you interested in buying curtains? And you go, no, I'm not. Well, actually, you know, the bedroom doesn't have curtains. How did Amazon know that? And it's like, oh, well, you put a God. camera in there, and it's looking at that. And so things like that where it starts to get really creepy. I hate this so much. But I think, 
and not that I necessarily say I trust Amazon, but I feel like Amazon's motives are, are fairly clear. Amazon's goal is for you to buy things on Amazon. Like that, that's right, kind of their but, business model is you but, buy but things how from exactly? us. And, and so at least the information they're collecting in theory is being used to then sell you more stuff. Whereas a company like Google is collecting information about you with the Google Home, which is what we've switched to now. Mm-hmm. And it's collecting information about, you know, like let's say I issue a command and it here's the TV in the background. Could they parse that and figure out what I watch? Now they know more about me. Now when I go to YouTube, could it retarget ads relevant to things I'm watching? Like there's all these What's little unclear. things. And, and because Google's whole business model is advertising at you and trying to help other people sell things to you because that's their business. Uh, Google feels maybe creepier, but at least Google's not putting a know. camera in my house yet. The whole thing's they're all so damn creepy that like the minor differences in creepiness are negligible compared to like the total amount of creepiness. So I, I don't need to know. I don't know if you can trust them, right? Like um, it's, you don't know, you can see what their outward motivations are and you can make, pretty educated guesses based on what their current lineup is, but you have no idea what's going on internally. Right. And you have no idea how that information is being used properly. Like every couple years or months, there's that new report that comes out that like Facebook is manipulating their social feed to see if they can target specific users or change behavior through like what they show you. And based on how the, what they figured out your category, there's a good thing with depressed users and something that came out recently. Um, well, and they have stuff like if if we show you lots of political news, do your posts become political? Or if we show you sports things, do you right. so like like can they affect what you're thinking about or talking about based on what you see? Right, and that that seems creepy uh, and not necessarily benign, but not like malicious yet. It's creepier when it starts to be like we're going to take your money because we know that you need curtains or something like that. So that, that's right. one thing. Like right, you don't necessarily know what they're doing behind the scenes. You can only make guesses based on what they say they're doing, what they seem to be doing. Uh, but on the other hand, even if you can fully trust them, uh, you don't necessarily know, like, uh, so, oh my God, I can't pronounce his name. The guy who runs Pinboard, also, he's given a number of talks on how dangerous it is to hold on to data for a long time and how it's basically you should treat data as toxic waste. You're, because, you're talking like for, a, a, like, not you personally holding on data, but like for Google or Apple or Amazon or whoever to hold on to data for too long. Becomes. Right, or having any of it around because, right. like, it's so, even if you do everything right, it's still really easy for something to go wrong because the internet is inherently insecure. There's all sorts of mistakes that could get made. Um, and so, like, it's not great if somebody has your credit card information, it's not great if somebody has, like, if somebody can dox you, if they can release your personal information, like your address, your phone number, and that sort of thing. It's really, 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 really not great if they have like access to a live stream of your bedroom or they have access to the last time that you and your partner were intimate with each other and then can hold that stuff over your head or if you're having an affair or you know any number of things right. like that, right? Like it's We don't know necessarily what they're doing in this information. There's no laws surrounding it. There's no regulations. There's best practices, but those best practices are expensive and they're hard and they're easy to screw up, so we don't really know what's going to go wrong. Right, well, and, and it's not like every... Not to say that like a Google or Microsoft or Amazon or whatever isn't hiring like some of the most brilliant network security and information security, data security people out there, but humans are fallible. And and so that in itself always leaves a little bit of uncertainty. But again, I think think the bigger issue is really just what is the the motivation factor that Mm -hmm. right now it might be something as innocuous as like Facebook trying 
trying to change your opinion about something mm-hmm. until they decide, well, what happens if we try to use this information to change a political outcome? They start, right. you know, they actually influence or, or Google doing the same thing. Like you search for something and the results favor one side or the other. Like could a large company like that, just based on what they know about you and the information they're surfacing for you, can they mm-hmm. physically change your opinion? And, and at what point is trying this and trying that and doing an A-B test on this and an A-B test on that, at what point does that switch to we've now made that just common practice? And so right. every well, every little checkpoint in it makes things more secure. Eventually, like those things start to slip away or get replaced by some other thing that's maybe a little less secure. And all of a sudden, 10 years down the road, right. every company knows everything about you and you physically can't escape it because... Because you've willingly put these surveillance devices right. in your home. And yeah, so for me, there's the privacy, there's the surveillance, and there's also just the, the uh, negligible benefit you get from them that far outweighs whatever small... Like the the... the the potential for risk and security and privacy and stuff like that is that that risk far outweighs the potential benefit you get out of them. So, so the, where do you fall on, on something like Siri where as far as everything is implemented now, it all is processed on device anonymized and then is shipped off to the cloud. Do you feel, does that make you feel more secure about it? Or is it just like, I just don't want to use a voice thing because I don't want to give up information. Uh, so Siri is a special case because it's all done on the, the device and I know how their encryption system works and I know that it's the best in class. Like it's really hard without having physical access. To, I think it may, I mean, not impossible, nothing is, but it's as close to impossible as it's going to get to actually hack that thing without having physical access to the device. Um, and so I know that they're they're anonymizing it properly and I also trust Apple that if they're not, if they find out that it's not they will uh, take steps to, to, to solve the problem. But again, that's putting an awful lot of faith in a company, and at some point you just can't, right? But I have more faith in Apple than I do in um, uh, Google or Facebook or something like that because I know that they have a specific product that they sell, and that product is not advertisement or like me as a targeted user for advertisers. Yeah. Um, and so Apple has a vested stake in trying to make sure that their products are secure and anonymous and are right. not going to be a problem here. Because, well, and in, um, that, in that case, Apple's source of revenue is their hardware and software. Right, like, exactly. So it's not the users. They're not trying to make money off of others. Like, if they want to sell you Apple Watch bands, they have your email address. I, and I, I right. believe that when you sign up for iCloud, if nothing else, you probably gave them an email address and they can use that for marketing. Right, but and I, I think that's about as as far as anything like Apple really does. Like they're not sending you a text telling you it's time to upgrade. They're always pushing security updates for your device. Like anything they can do right. to make the devices safer and more secure. So it's it's one of those things. Like I just find it really interesting when I look at like it seems to be a, a case amongst almost everybody who uses these devices. People trust Apple because right. because there's they've never shown that they have an ulterior motive for anything. And, right. and so it's, it's always one of the really interesting things where you look at like every other big company in the, in the field and it's like, well, why, why did Samsung make Bixby instead of using, uh, the Google assistant, whatever on their devices it was because they want the data, not Google, right. because then they can do something with that data. 
Why does Google want you to use Google Assistant on iPhone instead of Siri? Because Google wants that data. So like everybody's yep. competing to to know about you and and the only company that seems to not want to know about you is is Apple and that seems to be the the general thing about it. Yeah, that that's pretty I think that's pretty fair. Apple seems to want to know about you uh in an anonymous way so they can use that information to make their products better as opposed to taking that information in an anonymous way and selling it and t- being able to specifically target you. So even though your name might not be on it, they at least know like who you are. Um, yeah, that seems like a pretty fair assessment. That's for the reason why I don't use series because, well, it's twofold. One, she doesn't do anything useful for me. And two, um, uh, 90% of the time I would like to use a voice assistant or have a conversation with an, an interface because I'm trying to do something that's complicated enough that I don't want to do it like in an application. Uh, I don't want to speak to it. So so a text-based digital assistant might be more up your alley. Right. Except that that but also the, requires ones that exist work. Facebook and well, uh, well, Google and everything. Even, even in, in the upcoming iOS 11 release, that's a feature you can enable is texting with Siri. So you press the home button and it pops up and immediately pops up your keyboard and you can type with it. But is it for the whole thing? I thought it was just, uh, uh, just in some cases. Yeah. You can, you can enable it on the, the iPhone. I have it on my iPad right now and I just hit the mm-hmm. home button or hold down the home button and it will automatically go to text mode. Now, if you trigger it by voice and you, know, you say, Hey dingus and it comes up, it will do it by voice. Um, yeah. Okay. But if you do the home button version of it, it will default to text and then you can hit oh, okay. like the dictation button if you want to actually speak it. Uh, well, that's pretty is, good. I cool. might, Although, uh... in, in that case, the thing about it that's weird to me is if you're going to then type back and forth with Siri, mm-hmm. is it actually faster than just opening the app and doing the thing? Like if you have to type like, call me yeah. a lift and then she comes back and confirms what you're looking for and you say yes and then she does a thing like, isn't it just as fast right. to unlock your phone tap lift and say request ride so yes i agree and that's why siri is typically not very useful for these things what what these sorts of conversational interfaces are useful for is stuff that they're not good at doing right now i think of things like um uh, uh, uh more abstract topics so it's not like call me a lift at my get give me a lift here right now because like it knows okay at this address da, 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 all these things it's more like um, I think you and I have talked about this in the past. I don't know if we've done it on the podcast, but like, I want to try a new restaurant tonight. And, um, and she'll ask, what are you in the mood for? And like, I don't know, something Asian, but not Korean. Uh, and then she can walk me through a list and we can sort of have a conversation back and forth and figure out like what I'm in the mood for, like, and, and that sort of thing. And there's some ways of doing that sort of simply, you could just have a script that runs through things like price and, and, and cuisine and that kind of thing. Sure. But there's also much smarter ways of doing it where she knows about your preference and can make inferences about like, okay, like X, Y, Z, or like this chef works there and, and that sort of thing. And I think that that was a point you had made on a, a earlier episode um, was yeah. that you want to say like, I want a reservation at a restaurant that I was at two weeks ago or, and, and, and have her know specifically like the one you went to two weeks ago was X because it's more than that, of whatever it's, or my mom's coming to town like, i want to go to a restaurant that my mom would like that's near with right. it's within walking distance that isn't asian food or isn't korean food right. and and so she can come be, back and and now she knows contextually about you about your mom about your proximity to yeah. things like that you can now start stacking filters on what she's giving back and right and right now that that's but, the abstract layer that doesn't exist but what i don't want to have to do is say like 
give me a restaurant that my mother-in-law and I will like that's within walking distance that is Korean or that is like Asian food but not Korean that has a vegetarian option and is open at 10 and takes reservations on open table. I'd like to be able to do a conversation back and forth and figure it out that way as opposed to well, just like the way you'd have a conversation with a real person as opposed right. to just giving like a list of demands that I could just do in a terminal or something so you'd be like, like that, hey, right? hey, you know, Barb's coming to town, find me a restaurant. And she says, what kind of restaurant? And you say, uh, something nearby um, and not Korean. She says, or I can say like, what's close and new and good? And then she gave me some options of that kind of thing. Or Because sure. right, like, I mean, Siri in theory has access to like the the entire internet. So she should be able to like, go to Eater and go to the Star Tribune and go to all these websites and pull reviews and that kind of thing and see what's popular. Look at Twitter in the area and see what are people talking about. Or, Instagram, like that kind of thing, Instagram right? Instagram is the one that's hot right now for restaurants and stuff. It's like, where do you, where do you want to go? Right. Well, we'll look on Instagram nearby and see like it's available. It, yeah. that's, that's the real potential gift of these things is that they allow you to do complicated, abstract uh, problems and solve them with it's, it's someone, would, with a person who knows everything. Right, like it would it would take you say two hours to sift through a whole bunch of reviews on multiple sources to find a small list of restaurants, but it's right. super easy for a computer to look at a bunch of pe- a bunch of strings of text and filter right. for certain f- values and say, okay, this is what I came back with. Especially if there's there's right. integrations with their services, and and so that's one thing that I think uh, with these digital assistants, uh, some of them is useful like google does a mm-hmm. pretty good job uh, not so much on their home the google home but their uh, like app-based assistant or the like google assistant texting thing is that you can right. start to do some compound things like it, it isn't to the level yet where i can say like andrew and taylor are coming to town find me a restaurant they would like at like mm-hmm. it doesn't know like relationally who you guys are to me but i could at least say like find me x kind of restaurant no not like that yes like that um, and, and it does right. an okay job of that, but the Google home is like, you get one question and it responds and then it's like starting a brand new conversation every time. And I think that's, that's the thing that yeah. I hate about most of the assistants is every time you talk to it, it's like a brand new conversation. It's cause they have no sense of context. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit, but it's all sort of predefined. And in the case of the Amazon echo, it's not even really a true AI. It's following for every, every app or whatever they call it on there for every command. It's following a pretty tight, strict set of rules. Yep. Um, it's, 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 it's a two show adventure game, but only five paths on each thing right, or whatever, exactly. only four paths on each thing. And then they all lead to certain, uh, either the same destination or one of two destinations. Right. And so they're just right now, like that's not particularly useful for me because all the things that they can do, I can do myself and I can do it faster, right? Like I can, I can order a lift and I can do it discreetly and I can do it quickly and I can do it without talking to my phone, and I can make sure that all the errors have been corrected because sometimes your location isn't right, right? Like, the list will show up a right. block or two away, and that's a mistake. But if I'm doing it from the app, I can check that and make sure it's not going to happen. Yeah. Now, now so what, with these things, the, it's this this whole idea that, like, the best UI is no UI, which is total garbage, really. The best UI is the one that's best suited to the task at hand, and I rarely think that a conversational UI is well-suited unless it's something that can only adequately be solved with a conversation. So it's to things that are complicated and nebulous and don't necessarily have concrete answers to them. So I have like a list. You get me a lift, but like if I wanted, like, get me a car on a service that isn't evil and has, you know, white drivers because I'm apparently racist in this family. Like, but you know, something like that, right? Like, We've called your wife. She'll be here in twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So a really good example. Um, 
of of this kind of interface i at least i think it's a very good example of this and it seems to be like the only place that i've seen this well implemented on any of these talkable platforms or speakable platforms is the new apple tv when you're trying to find something to watch because you can say i'm in the mood for a x genre movie and it yeah. filters a list and you say only the ones before 2009 and then it's closer. N- without X actor closer. and like you can start to filter down. And, and so it can kind of do that thing we're talking about where it's like, right. Like, especially if you're sitting with a group of people, it's like, what are we in the mood for? Oh, we definitely want comedy. Okay. Show me comedy movies. Oh, but definitely new comedies or not new comedies or class, you know, right. like older comedies, but or I, only the Bill Murray. But ones I want to draw a line it, between filtering and deciding. So that's filtering. What I'm asking for is something with a little bit more agency. Um, and agency helps with the filtering. I mean, I guess really in the end they're all filtering tasks, but that's like that's no different than just putting in a search box and like clicking the different filter things that you want to have and then getting your things reduced down. What I want is something that's more willing to make decisions and have some agency about like so it's not just taking a big list and breaking it down. It's saying, okay, here's some things that I think might work. Okay, he sort of like responded to these and these. Let's jump over to this side and try these different things out. So, so it's, it's more the so way that we you, actually you think about solving this You problems. say, show me, show me comedy movies from the early 90s. And instead of just showing you all comedy movies from the early 90s, it picks out like a good Bill Murray movie. It picks out maybe... I don't know. Who was probably popular maybe, in the 90s? I don't, like, well, so it's, it's more like... like so out, let's like, show me comedy five, movies from the early... But like, so, so like, show me comedy from the early like, '90s. Let's show me comedy from the early '90s, and then we have this conversation. What it decides is what I really want is comedy featuring Bill Murray that reminds me of stuff from the early '90s. And then what it turns out, what I'm actually in the mood for tonight is to watch Lost in Translation. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Bill Murray, and Scarlett Johansson, I, very I, popular. I, I I I know the name, but I I. I um, the movie. But, like, you know, so, like, the, the thing is that humans are generally pretty bad at knowing what they want. Um, Even worse than making so, a decision when they have options. Right. And so somebody can help walk me through these processes. I think of it a lot of music because I usually know what I want to watch movie-wise. But, like, with music, it's sort of like, well, like, here's the mood, the feeling that I want in the music. Help me figure out how to do it. And it's really challenging to describe. Yes. Um, but... Uh, you know, when you have a tool that has access to everything on the internet, it seems sort of inexcusable that it is still only capable of setting a timer. Which I do just want to say is why Apple Music absolutely fails me week after week after week. It's because the recommended playlists are never what I want to listen to. And I listen to yeah. stuff on there all the time. Although I, I, I will give it credit, this week's is not terrible. Um, but the the not terrible ones are far outweighed by the terrible ones. And Man, I, it's like, usually pretty good, but I had a real stinker of a week. It's not easy. I, yeah. I'm not saying it's easy, but oh, I'm saying not. that that's what's actually useful. But but with the, the wealth of information that these companies now have about even little bits, like it, Apple Music doesn't have to know that you're a 20-something male living in Minneapolis. All it has to know is you're a person who likes listening to this right. kind of music. And typically on right. Tuesdays, you listen to more upbeat music. And on Thursdays, you listen to more mellow music. And those yeah. two things about, like those factors about you gender race age all of that stuff yeah, doesn't matter because a pattern like, we we are creatures of habit we have certain patterns we fall into right. like use those patterns to recommend things 
that might be part of the problem actually it's not that um it's not that it can't be done it's that it, they've been trying to solve the problem using demographics and and people who are like you and really it's about what what are my tastes like and maybe my tastes aren't common for my demographic or people are actually unique and and not so <laughs> algorithmic as far as right. using again it, it's it's the inverse of filtering you know everyone who yeah. meets these three criteria has these five things in common so only show them those five things it's like well maybe show me something outside of those five things because that's actually what i'm interested in especially if my right. tendency is to not follow that that median recommendation so so artificial yeah. intelligence is a total sham and it's just terrible algorithms no, I don't want to say artificial intelligence. Things. There's certainly good stuff that exists out there, but I think there's a lot of bad examples these days. Artificial, and, uh, artificial intelligence. <laughs> yeah, the, the, cheeky but accurate. Yeah, it's um, it seems really cool because you can use a voice command to do something. You can you can use a voice command to turn your lights off, but it falls down the instant you try to step outside of these very narrow pre-described lanes. Yes. that it that's it my brain is empty alright you can find show notes for this week's episode at interface.fm slash I have no idea what episode this is it's been so long since you've recorded 54 interface.fm slash 54 uh, while you're there find links to our social things and uh, feel free to tweet at us when we don't put out episodes because somebody needs to be reminded that we have to record occasionally and we'll be back eventually something, something about a, cl- a broken clock is right twice a day field we we do have joining us now mr chase chase please tell us uh, what it is you're seeing right now as you can see oh my god he's actually we're here started by green foliage trees cars now chase everything i believe i saw something in the background that said emergency on it is there some sort of disturbance that you're experiencing right now i'll tell you what it's getting it's getting pretty windy out here uh, i am uh, i'm hesitant to call this an emergency but i don't, I don't want to alarm anyone <laughs> you hit it here first folks chase Mus. Experiencing high winds outdoors. Experiencing wind. I like the idea that like you get a breaking weather news on a podcast like three days later. Chase, do you feel safe out there? I'll tell you what, I don't feel unsafe, Andrew.